What was the last great movie you saw in theater? You remember that place we used to be able to go to and it was safe and there was popcorn and pop and all that, the concessions. And uh, think about that. What was the last great movie that you saw in theater? I don't know about you. I miss that. I know in this last year, things have changed a little bit where now sometimes one of those massive movies will come straight to digital and you can either purchase it or maybe it comes to one of the streaming platforms. Have you ever seen Free Solo? I know it might be a couple of years old now. It's a, a documentary that won an Academy Award. And uh, Free Solo, it's essentially this documentary of a guy who's planning to free solo, as in climb without the use of, of ropes or safety without anyone else around except for cameras and stuff like that, uh, to actually climb El Capitan in Yosemite. Uh, in California. And this is something where any wrong move could lead to serious injury. And because it's 3,000 feet or so high, uh, it's, it's a vertical uh, climb that at, at any moment you could fall to your death. So I don't know if you've experienced this, but I was sitting on my couch, but I was sweating. My heart was racing. I think I needed to remove my socks. It was pretty crazy. And I think even some of the film crew had to look away because there were a few moments where it could have been life or death. Uh, think about this. Um, some people think in these terms, especially in this last year or so, uh, they might use this right here. I, R, L, not Ireland, no, but maybe versus or greater than or whatever, uh, U, R, L. And bonus marks, if you know what U, R, L stands for, you can say it in the comments below, but essentially it's the difference between the physical, the in real life and online. It's, it's the difference between physical and digital. And I think right now in this moment, you're thankful that there is a hybrid between these two things, which kind of brought us into uh, my thinking of this series, the, um, the upside down world, the whole Sermon on the Mount thing. And I think some people figure that maybe heaven is up here somewhere, and maybe earth is down below. Yet in the Sermon on the Mount, we're finding that heaven is invading earth all the time. Think about the Christmas story. Think about Jesus in general and the coming of the kingdom. And so I think you're, you're going to see as we look today that this is happening. This is good. And we're going to look more into this in just a moment. So... Uh, if you think about this, what we're looking at is actually a paradigm shift that yes, we're here on earth, but we're about to look into the Lord's prayer on earth as it is in heaven. And so we are grateful for this paradigm shift. So would you read this together with me? We're kind of in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. We're reading from Matthew chapter six and Jesus says, pray like this. Our father in heaven, May your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Now, some of you might be thinking, hold on, why not for thine is the glory, the power, all that, amen, you know? Uh, why not? Well, 
in some cases, if you're reading your physical Bible or maybe there's a note on your digital one uh, on your smart device, there's probably a, a little asterisk or a footnote that says, you know, added in, in some or later manuscripts this thing. But where did that come from? Obviously, it's, it's awesome and, and it, it's a doxology and it ramps up kind of our, our passion and our praise for, for God and then concluding with amen. Well, look back to 1 Chronicles just for a moment. The last chapter of 1 Chronicles is 29. Uh, the scene here, there's, there's kind of a parallel to the Sermon on the Mount as well. But let me just read uh, just a portion of David's prayer there in verses uh, 10, 11, 12, and, and so on. But just a couple here. It says, Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory, and the majesty. Everything in the heavens and on earth is yours. And O Lord, this is your kingdom. Isn't that awesome? Earlier in the chapter, David is speaking and they're talking about David who is king and Solomon, his son, who is about to become king and then to build a temple for the Lord. And I love this. Uh, David says, for the temple, he will build is not for mere mortals. It is for the Lord God himself. And there is a parallel here because this prayer precedes a new king. In this, it is uh, Solomon. And then it, the building of the temple, which is the dwelling place for God. And if you think about the Lord's prayer and, and the Sermon on the Mount in general, it, it precedes this king, Jesus. And then the temple being our hearts, the dwelling place for the Holy Spirit. And we were just singing about this together. And so this is kind of the context. So whether you use that at the end of the Lord's prayer or not, uh, if you're going to give praise to God, God, please, please do it if it's from the right motivation. You might know it because I, I can remember one of my first prayers that my grandfather taught me would have been from the King James Version or from the Anglican Common Book of Prayer, which used that doxology at the end. And so use it or don't, but uh, use it from the right heart and notice where maybe it was influenced in the context so as we're going through this series on the Sermon on the Mount, you might notice if you were reading from chapter 5 all the way to the end in chapter 7, that, that's the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, Jesus sits down on this mountainside as crowds has gathered and, and his disciples are there and many people are listening and he sits down to teach them. It's, it's awesome and we've gone through some of it already. In the context of this, Jesus speaking, often he's referring in the beginning of it as, as God, as the title God. And as he continues, then he starts talking about God's law or the law of Moses and then the prophets. But when you get to the end of chapter five, how does he switch that name or that title? He says, but you are to be perfect even as your father in heaven is perfect. This is interesting. Now, in Luke's account, he actually says, be compassionate for your father is compassionate. Some commentators might say, be merciful. So it might have less to do with perfection and more to do with being like God and that he is merciful, he is compassionate. So be like him. And so there's kind of a shift here in our context. Then he starts talking about our father in heaven who sees us, our father who sees everything, your father. And so he gives us this. And so when we get ready to pray our father, we have a new context. And this was somewhat referred to in the Old Testament, but, but all of a sudden, Jesus, who is the son, it's not giving us the right to call him in the same way that we would be deity, not, not at all. Yet, we are able to reference him as father. So this is the context. And the context for prayer 
If you read just the beginning of chapter 6 before we jump into what we consider the Lord's Prayer, it's talking about uh, these others, these, these hypocrites who are in, in public. They're putting on a show. What does hypocrite mean? Well, in those days, it would have been an, an order or, or an actor who is acting out. They're not being themselves, but they're putting on a show, uh, entertainment. He's saying, don't, don't do it that way. They're only real reward is by being admired by others, but, but your reward will be from your Father in heaven. And then the, the next part would be, uh, and then some of those who, who are talking about uh, maybe babbling on. So he, he went from the hypocrites who, who could be religious to then maybe either other religions or, or just non-Jews or, or the non-religious who feel like, if I just say a lot of words and if I just use specific words, almost like you're casting a spell over and over, then, then God would listen and answer that. But he's saying, no, no, your father who sees everything and your father who knows exactly what you need before you ask it, no, no, go away in this private place. So instead of public, Go into this secret place. God sees both, but he is, he's there seeing you. Don't necessarily have to use many words, although he's not saying that you can't. It's just the motivation behind. He knows everything, so why would you babble on as though that's going to earn anything from you? So this is kind of our context of prayer. Many authors consider prayer to be that conversation and encounter with God. It's a really unique thing. And what I want to show you here as we've gone through the context of God then through a title kind of shift to heavenly father. Is he still God? Absolutely. But I think what Jesus is doing throughout the Sermon on the Mount is he's raising the standard, but in this moment, he's lowering the pressure. You don't have to put on a show before God or before anyone. You don't have to come with specific words necessarily. You don't have to babble on and on. You can actually be by yourself. You can be in private and, and God is doing something for us here in this moment because he sees both, but what he wants from you is the right motivation because that's more important than the location. This is awesome. So let's go through the Lord's prayer for a moment together. And so consider this. How does it begin? Well, it begins with... Our Father. Okay? This is the person who we're talking to, and then it continues. Uh, let me just do a little bite size of it at a time. May your name, and maybe you capitalize it. Let's do that for now. May your name, and then what's next? May your kingdom. And then, may your will. So what is he doing right away? At the beginning, we obviously have this address to the person. So you might, you might consider uh, the, the person in whom you're, you're speaking with and their title, the person. And then what's happening here? May your name, you might also notice your, 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 you're beginning the prayer, not about me, me, or us, us, but your, and then the first thing, your name, then your kingdom, and then your will. We're really aligning ourselves to the things of God and what he wants for us. And so do you notice that the your in this, in this whole section right here, your 
your, your. And this is concern for his name, concern for his kingdom, concern for his will. And then this is kind of the halfway point in earth as it is in, in heaven. And so I'm just going to put earth, heaven, before we continue. And then the next section is what? Give us. And then what? Forgive and forgive us. And then essentially rescue us. So how does this shift? Well, right now, this is kind of the in-between, a bit of the hybrid, if you will, between heaven and earth. And then all of a sudden it switches to us, us, us. And so once we have his priority in mind, once uh, essentially our concern for his name, his kingdom, his will on earth as it is in heaven, then we can deal with what it is we need. I think this is awesome because we see first the person that we're referencing. And then as we were just doing so beautifully together, uh, praise. We had a chance to praise. And then, and then what's really next? Well, kind of a combo here, maybe between these two things, but let's call this purpose. Maybe the purpose or, or aligning ourselves so that we believe that that is the pur purpose. And then uh, down below, give us. Well, what are we looking for? Well, we're looking for provision. And what about forgive us? Are we looking for pardon? And including pardon for others. And then rescue us. Pr protection, maybe? Let's see. Protection. And what I want you to notice here, we are talking to the Father, but we know that our, our God is three in one. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And we are referencing his concern and the Lord. We, the reason we often call it the Lord's Prayer is because we believe Jesus is Lord and he is praying uh, as he often does to his Father. But they ask, how do we pray? And he says, when you pray, pray like this. And so we get to reference him as Father. Notice how the Father... Um, kind of comes into play down here. Father, the Father is the one that provides. If you think about uh, that time when uh, Israel, God's people were in the wilderness and how was he providing food for them each day? Well, with, with manna, the Father was providing. And so let's just write Father again here. Father is providing. Who pardons us from sin? Well, Jesus obviously has atoned for our sin. Jesus modeled forgiveness better than anyone else in history. And so the son right here is the one who deals with pardon. And then protection. Well, Jesus at one point said, it is better for me to go so that I can leave you the Holy Spirit. It would be better for the Holy Spirit to be with you. That is God who is not only around us, but could be in us. Our, our bodies become the temple for the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit is the one who adds this protection so Father, Son, Holy Spirit, do you see how this is going? In, in some ways, this is maybe going from God's glory, as we were just talking about, to then down here to his grace. Our concern on the front 
part of it. The top part is really for, for God, for everything that that in, involves us. And it has to do with perhaps a perspective change. And so as we're praying this, as we're learning to go through, as Jesus said, pray like this, well, we're aligning ourselves to his will. We're, we're understanding, wow, you know, I was saying to Pastor Dave this week, um, kind of reminded of 2018, there was this uh, six-week series called Verbatim. And what was it? It was all on the same text, which happened to be the Lord's Prayer, and uh, each pastor on staff preached through it, yet not the same. Somehow it was different. Now, we could have done it a lot of different ways. In some ways, you, you might be able to have uh, maybe six sermons, or, or maybe you have two, or maybe you have seven, because I think the context of our Father for this moment is, is enough that could really uh, be, be drawn out. I'm not going to spend as much time on that. Uh, as we could. But what I want to show you is kind of an illustration. You have this, are you seeing how this could influence our perspective as we pray, whether we're praying these words or whether uh, we're using this as a, as a guide to maybe continue, which we'll talk about in a moment. I want to share with you an illustration. And this connects into the, the, the whole fatherhood of God. And it connects into a little bit of a uh, an illusion or an illustration that Jesus is already using in this context. He's kind of talking about going into uh, a secret place, a secret room, uh, an inner room, some might call it. And if you could picture uh, a house back in, in those days, um, it wasn't the, the entryway, but maybe we would call it like a prayer closet today. It was something further in where maybe you could shut a door or, or, or a screen or a cloth or something behind you. So you were far in there. Some even reference that not only does God see you there, but God is there with you when, when you are, are praying. And so what I want to do, I, I want to kind of show you uh, why this is valuable to start with our Father, or, or if you're praying on your own in private, if you just started Father or Heavenly Father, uh, Jesus authorized us to call God that and to learn about that. But, but how is he Father? Well, let's, let's look at this. So I'm going to try my best to uh, make that straight. And so let's consider on one side the, the other religions, similar to how Jesus already was talking about either the hypocrites or maybe the, the pagans, depending on the ver version or translation you're using. Let's, let's just say other, other religions. And then over here, let, let's say uh, Christian or Christians. Okay, so I, I want to go kind of back and forth what it might be. Picture a home. And, and the context that I really want you to see is, is this. There, there's kind of on, on one side, uh, it's kind of like a, a business arrangement, okay? So business, what would be on, on the Christian side of it? Well, what about family, okay? A little different context here. Um, stay with me. Uh, as one person shared, it, it could be either a renter, someone who rents, uh, a renter or, or a border, uh, a border versus a, a child. And I get that there might be more, more examples that you can think of, but, but just to go back and forth here, uh, on one side, it has more to do with doing, but on the other side, it has more to do with being. It's based on who you are, not what you do. Uh, on this side, maybe it is conditional. There are terms, conditional. 
What about on the other side, unconditional? And then as we move down, um, not maybe in every term, but, but just to draw the comparison, maybe this side is closer to being cold in, in the transactions where over here maybe warm. Um, and then as we go, maybe similar to doing and being, maybe it has something to do with the performance Uh, compared to perhaps a, a commitment. Did I spell that right? And then as we move on, maybe as you're thinking on the business side and the renter border side, if you see a, a connection down here, maybe down here to paying, what? Paying rent versus, well, think about it, a free gift from God. And as we move down here, uh, this makes me think uh, maybe on this side, if, if there's an agreement and it's, and it's a business kind of uh, arrangement here, maybe you even think about uh, sign a lease. Have you had to do that? Versus he adopted us and it's already taken care of. He adopted us. Us. Maybe you're thinking of uh, Romans uh, chapter 8. Um, and what's, what's kind of beautiful about this, as, as you think about these, these contexts, uh, I love uh, the late John Stott put it this way. We are no longer orphans, for the Father has adopted us. We're no longer prodigals, for we have been forgiven. We're no longer alienated for we have come home. And so as you picture this, there's, there's kind of a sense of, of home. And so it's, it's really between a, a father and his child. And so this whole family side, that's when we get to call him father, this is really what we are considering uh, together. And, and maybe you're also kind of thinking on one side in relation to the, the prayer on one side, maybe it's public. And on the other side, maybe it's private. On one side, it's maybe many words. And on the other, you don't need that because he already knows your heart. I think of when David referenced how he knows my heart in the, in the sense that um, he, the Lord looks at, at the heart where man only sees what's on the outside. And so he assumes God sees the same way, not, not so. And so again, as, as we referenced a few moments ago, the father, he's the one that provides. The son is a part of this prayer too. He's the one that pardons. The Holy Spirit is the one who protects. I want to take a moment regarding the son, regarding forgiveness. What does it say in this prayer? If we're praying as Jesus taught us to pray, it says, and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And there's more to the story just after the prayer, and maybe you're familiar with that. It, it can sound pretty, pretty extreme. Here's the context. If that last comparison that I showed you, if, if we have been adopted, if you have received that free gift from God and now you are his child, you're no longer an orphan, but you're adopted. If that is true of you, and if you are going to be like your father in heaven, the word perfect might, might sound a little funny in that previous chapter, at the end of the previous chapter where it says, but you are to be perfect, even as your father in heaven is perfect. But if you think of Luke's, kind of consideration of that. You must be compassionate as your father is compassionate. You must be merciful as your father is merciful. Well, who is more compassionate and merciful than our God? And who 
demonstrated it more than Jesus himself. If we are in that, that home under the family of our Father with the Son, with the Holy Spirit, then would we not then act like, would we not become uh, more and more like our Father, more and more like the Son through the work of the Holy Spirit? Forgiveness to me, the, the thing I, I guess that I would want to uh, be cautious about is becoming like the unmerciful servant. I think if there's anything that bothers me and stirs me up more when I think about that, it, it would be this. We're not going to read the whole thing. If you wanted to, after you could go to Matthew 18 and it's uh, between verses 23 and, uh, and 35, but, but the context here is this, this creditor um, had, had a man arrested and, and he owed a certain amount of money. And then um, the, the idea is that uh, he was forgiven this debt, but then someone else doesn't own that much, but he goes and, and he wants, um, you know, every, every last cent from this guy or he's going to keep him imprisoned. In, in but what happened when the person who, who initially forgave that, that first debtor, well, he... I mean, he was upset to say the least, and you can read that on your own, but at the end of it, it says, shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? And then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he paid his entire debt. That's what your heavenly father will do if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. And so obviously this is a heart change. If you remember that initial part going through taking care of, of the concerns of God, um, that his name, is his name holy? Of course it is. Would we represent that? Would we be reminded of that? Would we reflect that this is a holy God? Uh, would his kingdom come? We're obviously we're thinking about uh, things in terms of the kingdom, not just the kingdom in heaven, but I love how it bridges the, the two portions of this prayer together where it's, it's not just in heaven, Heaven, but on earth as it is in heaven. And so that heaven would infiltrate, heaven would, would really interrupt the things of earth, starting in our hearts, starting in our own prayers, whether private. It's not saying that you can only pray in private, by the way. I think it's awesome as we just had a prayer night together to get to do that, even virtually in real life versus the URL. And thankfully there's a hybrid. And so we don't want to be like this unmerciful servant. I, I would encourage you to read that later on and allow God to challenge you with that. And as we move to the end of, of the prayer, as Jesus is teaching us, there's kind of two things here uh, that I, I summed up into one under protection. It says, don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Well, this is where the Holy Spirit comes into play in, in a few different ways. If you think about even the temptation of, of Jesus and, and really the Holy Spirit was with him during that and, and helped him. Um, the, the idea of being rescued from the evil one. Well, ultimately, uh, be assured that if, if you have made this transition from orphan to, to then adopted as, as a child and you can call him Heavenly Father, which he is, then the Holy Spirit resides within you. Your, your soul is safe. But here's the difference between heaven and earth. In this time, there still is an evil one. There still is evil. And so the issue here is that as the kingdom of heaven is made uh, more and more complete in our hearts, in our lives, in this world, 
there is opposition. Some might call it spiritual warfare. There's kind of a clash of two kingdoms. And, and I think this, this is evidence uh, all around us. And, and it's, it's not a, a matter of looking for, for evil around every corner, but it's just understanding that there is this pressure on us. And I love how Jesus said it in, in John. I, I love it. And I also am disturbed by just the context of it. But near the end or the end of, of chapter 16 of John, he says, I've told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. And so I think sometimes we might get sidetracked into thinking that, well, it's, it's all temptation, it's all trials, it's, it's all evil all the time. There is evil around us, but we know that our Lord has overcome ultimately and that in the future, um, you know, his, his kingdom will come in all its fullness. And eventually, uh, not only would we be protected, but, but that evil would be no more. So before we sing together, I want to look at how do we pray? He says, when you pray, pray like this. And so if you're thinking about it, obviously we can use um, this, this prayer as, as a starting point. I don't want you to, to simply memorize it. Maybe you already have, that's okay. Uh, I don't want it to become mechanical. I want it, whether you've prayed it for the first time today or maybe you've been praying it your entire life, I hope that there's something fresh in here, a, a perspective that God wants for us in this time. So as we think about it, we're reading from the New Living Translation. I think there's 62 characters in here. I think in the King James Version and some others, there might be only, only 52, but there's between 50 and 60 or so words here. It might be a little bit more than, than a tweet, but the, the idea is that if you were to pray this just at an average kind of pacing in, in, in how you read, I think that it would be uh, just a little under 30 seconds. And th this is a short prayer. And my encouragement for you today is that you would, you would take at least that time on your own to do that. But here's an encouragement to go a step further. What if you were to add, remember I was mentioning earlier about the doxology, that for thine is the kingdom. You can pray that if you want to. In this context, it's not there. And there's not an amen at the end of this prayer. So here's my challenge. That you would take time you would open your scripture, whether it's this, this physical Bible and go to Matthew 6, 9 through 13, or, or you would open it up on a device where you, you're not distracted, but you can read this, you can take time, maybe pause on it, reflect, maybe go back to that chart that represented kind of how we go through his concerns before we get to the way he provides and pardons and protects us. My encouragement would be, what if when you get to the end of, uh, but rescue us from the evil one, that you pause, you have maybe 30 extra seconds before amen. And so the thought here is that before you get to amen, what are you going to pray from your heart, not mechanical, but what is gonna go? What is gonna go here before Amen. That is my challenge to you. And we're going to go through this together and then uh, sing this great song together. And so not to be mechanical, but from the right heart, would you pray this with me starting at our Father? And we'll pause just for a moment. And when I get to the end of this, even now, 
uh, I'm going to give just, just a little bit of silence before they go into the psalm, before we utter amen. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Amen.